The Timeless Podcast Company present this podcast. In immersive sound design. This is Big Daddy Kane, and I want to welcome you all to the Did I Ever Tell You the One About podcast? Because season one is all about me. I don't remember what verse I kicked. Um, that night in Union Square, though, I mean, you know, it was so crazy because it was, you know, like in the Alvy Square Mall, they used to show a lot of love to me. They used to show a lot of love to Biz. And that night, <laughs> everybody we so used to seeing either in the front of the Alvy Square Mall or down by Orange Julius, all of them were in Union Square that night. I mean, they all in there like, yeah. And then for them to see me come out, they were even more happier, you know, because, you know, a lot of them cast was like, you know, like, yo, that's what you need to be doing. You know, that's where you need to be, you know. So it was crazy. It was, it, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, honestly, it was like an Alvy Square Mall night for me. <laughs> like, for real, overall, it was an Alvy Square Mall night. I mean, honestly, like, enjoyed seeing all those faces, you know, more than anything, you know? To this day, I would love to see that brother Jay Bourne, man, just to sit down and talk to him. And thank him, man, for his words of advice, man. Because, I mean, yeah, man, it was life-changing. Having Divine Sounds live across the street from me was amazing because it's like, you know, here I am in the hood of Bed-Stuy, and then one day, you know, you look up, and the guys that just made this song, What People Do For Money, two of them are living diagonally across the street from you, you know? Shame. Big Daddy Kane's little brother. They used to do like block parties and stuff, and I see the guys, but I didn't know that those were those same guys that would like on the video, Friday night videos and hot tracks and video music box and everything that was, you know, going on at the time. So I had no idea. Disco Richie of Divine Sounds. We actually started back in the 70s. Right in Best Eye, uh, my brother Mike Music put the group together, and uh, we used to perform a lot going to Queens, DJ Divine. Uh, Goody, all the cats that we had to take our set out. Um, and that's how we became Divine Sound that we used to play out in Queens. And we were known for our sound system. From there, it's history, you know? We're just doing parties after block parties. You know, that's how Divine Sound created right there, baby. It's like, you know, you, you've seen Mike Music outside rocking, you know, at the block parties and stuff. But now these dudes, uh, they have a video out. They have a hit song that's playing on the radio all day, you know. And it's like they're right there, you know, on your block. So it's like, wow. You know, and, but I mean, it's inspirational because now, now I do feel like, yeah, I actually could be a recording artist. I can make it in this industry, you know, because I mean, Disco Richie is the reason why I bought my very first microphone. I would have never owned a microphone back then if it wasn't for Disco Richie, because as a battle rapper, I went up to Richie and this is, you know, around the time of the success of um, what people do for money. Richie came out to one of Mike Music Block parties and he got on and he was rhyming. So I asked him for a battle and he said, yeah, let's do it. And Richie went first. He spit a rhyme first. I said, okay. 
And when I reached over to grab the mic, he knocked my hand away and said, nah, shorty, you can't use my mic to battle me. You got to bring your own mic. Oh, okay, that's how we doing it? All right. That's how we doing it. And it took me two weeks, two weeks to save up $25 to go to Radio Shack and buy a white, realistic microphone. I was so in combat mode that my ignorant ass went to the one on the little corner on Chinese spots and bought one of them pleather gun holsters. And whenever I go to block parties or jams, I'd have the gun holster on with the mic inside it. A.B. Money. That's how incredible this dude was. He used to walk around with a, a holster with a microphone in the holster. So you know we had to make sure he got on. That's why, you know, um, I said that rhyme about if mics were a gun, I'd be Clint Eastwood. Because that's what I was doing in the early 80s. I had a mic and a gun holster going to jams. Like, no, plug me in. Plug me in, dog. I don't even need yours. (laughs) For real. And that was because Disco Richie knocking my hand away when I asked to use his mic to battle him, you know? But, you know, eventually... We became friends and Mike was like, yo, you dope. And um, I ended up recording some songs with Mike Music that he was trying to shop to um, Reality Records. And um, he would take me whenever they had Divine Sound shows and either let me get on and rhyme or let me like introduce Divine Sounds or whatever, you know. I remember one night I wanted to get fly. I seen Richie in a fur coat, so I wanted to get fly. So I took my father's fur coat and put it in a garbage bag like it was garbage and sat it by the front door at the apartment. And that night when Mike said he's ready to go, I was told my parents, well, I'm out. Yeah, I take the garbage on my way out. And I grabbed a garbage bag and took it down and sat my father's coat in the garbage and got in the car with Mike and them. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I knew my mother was going to look out the window. When she saw me get in the car, I sat there. And then when I saw her close the blind, I jumped back out, ran over to the garbage can, grabbed the garbage, and pulled it in. They cursed me out for bringing a garbage bag in their car. But when they saw me what I pulled out, they understood. And they started cracking up laughing. We was in the car. Me and Mike were ready to pull off. And now he's like, oh, wait a minute. Let me get out the car. Let me get out the car. And I said, well, you get out the car. He went back there to get his father rabbit. It was his father let him borrow it to go up with that night. That night, I'll never forget. It was so funny. Me and my brother, Mike, we laughed. It was so crazy that day. It was one of the funniest moments, man. But, you know, but he, he took care of that coat. That coat was nice, man. It was one of those classic joints, man. The Mac joints. <laughs> and I'm at a jam in Long Island with jeans on, a sweatshirt, I want to say sneakers, and a full-length black mink. <laughs> I know you're gonna dig this. Meeting Marley Marlin and going inside of his house, you know, just the fact of, you know, being asked, like, you know, yo, come on in because he heard me rhyme, you know, I'm already, like, blown away, like, wow, you know, track record-wise, you know, um, make the music. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. It's a demo. The bridge. Eric B for president. Yeah, man, 
I'm like, you know, like, wow, this is this is where I'm at right now. And he's like, you know, like, yeah, you want to vibe on something. And then seeing him sit down and work, and it's like, I'm looking at an SP-1200, a Roland 808, and that's it. And inside the room that he's making the beat is a mic stand with a regular sure stage mic. Now all these songs that's going through my head, I'm like, everything is done right here on this little bit of stuff. And pushed back in the corner was his, I believe he was on 16 track at that point in time. And I mean, you know, now it's like everything is changing because, you know, I'm watching how magic can be made. Because it's like with those two drum machines, everything was pretty much done on the SP. I mean, everything he did was on the SP, you know, and seeing how you got to speed something up just to get enough of the sample and then bring it back down to the right tempo because you can only sample for so much on the SP. And I mean, it, it was just amazing just watching all this and then after that then that's when he put the sauce on and you know he go over to the 808 and add that boom 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 you know that type of stuff and maybe you know grab a tambourine out of there and, and let that rock with the rhythm or a hi-hat you know rock with the rhythm you know uh, i'm just sitting there like wow like you know, I was just blown away. And then when you're hearing it back, that, that whole gritty feel to it, you know, it was a gritty feel that, you know, I didn't really understand and appreciate until I want to say like 1989. But I mean, it was like Molly just had such a unique sound. You know, when it came to sampling, you know, he was on to something. You know, I believe, if I'm correct, I think the first sample may have been by Curtis Blow from If I Rule the World. I think that was the first record to use the sample. Molly just took it to a whole nother level where doing something that no one was doing, man. You know, and I was just amazed just to actually see him work. You know, it was amazing. I was hoping I was up next. The Did I Ever Tell You the One About podcast, Did I Ever Tell You the One About Big Daddy Kane, okay. is a timeless podcast production. Executive produced by Chantel Barron and MC Search for 4MC Multimedia and the Timeless Podcast Company. Co-executive produced by Eric DJ Eclipse Win for Pay to Win Management. Co-produced by Antonio Hardy and Saquon Johnson. Okay. Story contributors were AB Money, Chris Rock, Cliff Love, Disco Richie, courtesy of Divine Sounds, DJ Mr. C, Drip, Grandmaster Kaz, Lionel the Vid Kid Martin, Little Daddy Shane, Master Ace, Ralph McDaniels, Steve Brown, Vaughn Lee, professionally known as Cudmaster Cool V, appears courtesy of BP Entertainment, Hip Hop Hands Foundation, and DJCoolV.com. Lead sound designer, Brett Epic Mazer, Associate Sound Design, Patrick Garcia. Timeless Podcast Immersive Sound Design voiceover by Tembisa Mashaka and additional voiceover by special guest Kim Osario. 